Listen in Fridays to the new feature Times Like This on Aura City Radio in partnership with Luxembourg Times. Good morning, Yannick. How are you this morning? Good morning, Lisa. Very good. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Lots of stories to get through, so we'll crack on, I think. First one that I picked up on, because it's it's just an ongoing uh, like confusion, I think, is the AstraZeneca um, vaccination. Luxembourg's medical council has said that it's not okay for over 65s. Mm. Okay, that's been the decision for Luxembourg. But the WHO at the same time, I think the day later, came out and said, well, actually, it is okay for everybody. Yeah. Where where do we stand with that? Are Luxembourg standing by their original decision? Um, yes, um, so far Luxembourg is standing by its original decision. And I think that is reflected in the approach taken by a lot of European countries when it uh, when it comes to the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, some A lot of European countries were saying there's just not enough evidence uh, that it would work efficiently with people over the age of, of 65. And um, thus, um, even though the European Medicines Agency has said that you, sh- you should probably be free to use it, um, several countries, including Luxembourg, aren't doing it. And they're just out of a principle of, of precaution, mm-hmm. which might have you know, advantages and disadvantages. So you, you make sure that everything works perfectly, but you might be slower than other neighbours like in the UK in vaccinating a population. But do you think they're using it in terms of political posturing, the fact that we've been so slow with the vaccine rollout? Do you think they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. jumping on it for that mm-hmm. reason? Yeah, and there was this whole bust-up around AstraZeneca deliveries um, with the European Commission just two weeks ago. So there is perhaps a political dimension to it, but I think it would be too difficult to read too much into it. I think it's mostly just about European regulatory approach. But but yeah, it adds a certain um, a certain flavour to to the whole discussion as well. Mm. And but uh, I'm certain that as more data will emerge, it will also be. Um, um, authorised for people over the age of 65 in Luxembourg as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, time time will tell on that one. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, kind of exposés going on at the minute in in, in Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. So one one that we've mentioned before, I think, on on times like these, is the fact that um, many of the lawmakers in Luxembourg wanted to look at this RTL contract that the government yeah. has uh, with RTL to make Luxembourgish TV, mm-hmm. and um, I think they were allowed to look at it, but only in a sealed room and for the space of an hour or something like that but there's been a new development in that uh, lately which from what I understand they're now able to look at this document they can take their time they Mm -hmm. can take notes Mm -hmm. but they're not allowed to discuss it publicly is that all? Yeah they're not allowed to discuss it because it is a a contract between a private company and the government and Uh there's a confidentiality clause in it Uh and uh, so they uh, won a court case um, the lawmakers when come off the pirate party to get access to it because he said it's essential to my job as a parliamentarian to be able to scrutinize exactly what the government is doing. And uh, so they were presented the contract after the, they, they won the court case in a, par- in a closed door session in parliament. And as you rightly said, they, they were only able to look at it for like an, an hour or 90 minutes or so. Uh, um, but to give, you know, some sort of um, some element of, of justice to the court decision, um, the battle in the end said that they will uh, present the contract in, in the state ministry in his office uh, where people can go and, and read it and take notes while lawmaker, lawmakers. So they will have more time to scrutinize it properly, but they're still obviously not dis- uh, able to discuss it with anyone outside. So it will be interesting to see how uh, they can possibly raise objections, maybe indirectly through parliamentary questions and, and other means of scrutiny. Um, because there, there is a theory that the government or RTL are partly in breach of the contract, but um, well, that's that's not been um, 
evidence yet. So, so and but they can't have lawyers looking at the the. It's it's just the parliamentarians themselves who'll be able to yeah. look at it. It's not as if they can bring in a lawyer who actually no. knows contractual law. Yeah. So they're going to have to work that out themselves. Yeah, some of them are lawyers, okay. or a lot of them are lawyers. Right. So, okay. So I would hope that they um, they would be able to understand it uh, to some extent, yeah. and that I'm sure they could also consult with lawyers or with with legal experts. But uh, yeah, it's 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 them that are that, that will yeah, have access to it, and mm-hmm. no one outside Parliament. It's really just parliamentarians. Yeah. So not everybody's happy about this, though, because mm-hmm. there was a statement by the head of Fedil, which mm-hmm. is the Federation of uh, Industry or Industry, Businesses. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the one line that was taken out of the interview she did on uh, RTL was transparencies for dictators. Yeah. So they're not they're not pleased. Then they're not pleased at all. And it's um, I think it's quite interesting to see their PR strategy, which is really honest, but I'm not sure it's productive or rather counterproductive. And, um, you know, she, she was in, in some ways she was echoing what uh, Prime Minister Xavier Bettel uh, said a week before that transparency can hurt Luxembourg. Which um, I can see an element of truth to, because if you are a private business, you don't want to uh, necessarily have all your details known, uh, all the details of your agreements with the, with the government. Um, but here we have, with RTL, we have uh, a quasi-public broadcaster, and um, I think it's in the public interest for people to know um, what the government exactly agreed with with with, with their private company, mm-hmm. and uh, which has such a monopoly in the Luxembourgish media landscape, and especially in TV. Um, and um, yeah, she said that transparency is for dictatorships. We don't want that here, and that um, access to such documents is um, even idiotic, a quote, and counterproductive. Mm. And that caused a very strong reaction from lawmakers across the political spectrum and from media because um, that uh, phrase that transparency yeah. is for dictatorships is just outlandish. Uh, yeah. I would say. You know, it's it's interesting because at the same time, uh, this week we've had what's now been tagged open leaks so we had uh, lux leaks mm-hmm. a number of years back um and this week we've had uh like a number of investigative journalists working yeah. well they haven't been working on it this week but they've they've uh, the stories have dropped this week and they've released the information this week in what has now been called open lux mm-hmm. uh, and that basically well tell us a bit more about it it came through the WikiLeaks that the government tried to clean up their act and because the the, the criticism mm-hmm. of the government here I guess was that they were making an individual agreements with companies about tax instead of having one tax law that everybody mm-hmm. sticks to they were just doing their own thing so whoever came to them they made their they made mm-hmm. a deal with yeah. um, if it was worthy of uh, the business kind of thing um, and that's got them into a lot of trouble they've tried to clean up their act and one mm-hmm. of the things they've done is this uh, business registration you have to register all the beneficial owners of a company yep. And the investigative journalists have basically gone through with a tooth comb and looked at this and uh, have said it's it's not good enough. That's correct, yeah. So um, I think the new news story broke on, broke on Monday when um, several uh, international newspapers, such as Süddeutsche in Germany and Le Monde in France, and including, which is barely mentioned in a lot of the uh, political discourse, and the Luxembourg newspaper was involved in that as well, uh, the weekly Vox. Vox, were, yeah. yeah, they were big in this, yeah. They were big in this, and uh, they, ha- they have taken part in uh, such uh, investigations before, mm-hmm. and um, they essentially revealed that uh, despite Luxembourg having this um, register of beneficial ownership, which should clearly tell you who owns which company, it isn't always very clear who actually owns owns, owns the company, and there are these obscure structures that allow people to hide who who who, who owns uh, the company and who benefits from it financially. And um, and in those revelations, they are claiming that um, 
there are several, um, you know, Italian mafia, mafia bosses, um, Russian mobsters, um, corrupt Brazilian politicians uh, that are mired in crime and scandal that um, have companies here and that benefit through it and are able to, to some extent, um, avoid paying taxes or um, avoid being... Um, um, tied to these companies. Apparently, you only need to re you only need to register them as beneficial owner if they've more than twenty five percent. That's correct. Yes. So they just like mm. keep it under twenty five percent, and then they're, they they don't need to be mentioned. Yeah, they keep it under twenty five percent. And the other thing as well is, despite uh, the register being um, perhaps more transparent than in some neighbouring countries, it is still um, I think even if people own more than just twenty five percent. It is difficult for them to uh, to, to, to be found in, mm. in the register because it's, it's not easily um, easily navigated. Mm -hmm. So um, so that poses a few um, further issues around um, you know transparency and and also Luxembourg's like Luxembourg's reputation as as a tax haven really. Well, I mean, the government came out. It was kind of interesting how it panned out in Parliament, though, because they've all kind of come together and mm. closed ranks and said, "No, we're clean." Like it, not just the the government, but the yeah. opposition as well came together and yeah. said. No, this you know we've cleaned up our act. This is this is where we're at, and uh, the criticism's unfair. And they're saying basically it's jealous neighbours that are you know casting doubt on Luxembourg. Yeah. Um, very unusual, really, that yeah. that they've come together on that, right? Yeah. It was overall, I think, a, a very or it's been a very defensive reaction, and um, you have of course all the main parties that are um, in, either in government or had been in government for many years before, like the CSV, that are. Um, you know, defending Luxembourg and Luxembourg's um, financial practices and um, saying that, you know, oh, this is unjustified. We are doing so much better than the Germans or the French. And, uh, you know, they are, they're just jealous of us, of our success, of our strong financial sector that's been benefiting from Brexit. Um, and I think the ADR defended it as well. Well, they're, they're more nationalists, so I mm -hmm. think that makes sense. Yoni really had uh, the Pirates and mm -hmm. the, the left wing, yeah. the Linke, yeah, who, uh, who took a different stance on this. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, us uh, saying, you know, we need to sort this out because, for instance, you know, we are lecturing other countries on, on human rights and we um, here we have the money of, of some very corrupt people. Uh, uh, so, you know, there is a certain dimension to it that uh, um, that kind of makes you think that, you know, if they are that defensive, the main parties, then maybe there, there's something to it. And yeah. some names have actually been sent to the Financial Crime Agency. Yeah, which is an, an, an admission, not by the politicians, but by uh, Luxembourg's justice system, that there, there must be something to these revelations, or at least something um, worth, you know, there's something worth looking at, okay. because um, there, there seems to be indications of, of, of financial crime or of corruption. I don't know what exactly, and I, I assume we will find out more and more uh, over the next days and weeks as as more comes to light. So, um, you know, it doesn't seem to be the case that this is just an attack from the outside. That is where kind of foreign governments are using their national press to to attack Luxembourg and its attractiveness. So um, here, here again, I think that transparency would actually help the country to to uh, clean up its act uh, and to have a better image, which is what they did after LuxLeaks. And although they are now largely compliant with all um, you know, European and international um, transparency and, and tax standards, there are still issues um, issues around that. So, uh, so would that be that, that maybe the European tax standards, or they're not going far enough, or they're not demanding enough? Um, I think there are certain limits to it um, in the sense that they, um, yes, as you said, they, they, don't, go, they don't go far enough to, to some extent, uh, and they only cover certain areas, such as the exchange of information, 
and um, you know the European tax haven blacklist is also quite limited. It doesn't include any EU countries, and um, it doesn't um, include all um, offshore tax havens either. So it's a limited list. And if Luxembourg has uh, a relationship with a tax haven in, um, you know, let's say, on the, let's say the Cayman Islands, I think they're on it. But if they weren't on it, uh, like the British Virgin Islands, then. Um, you know, Luxembourg could do business or could have complex tax structures, company structures mm -hmm. um, on that island and still be largely compliant. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that um, in some ways it doesn't it doesn't go far enough. And right. it, do, it doesn't. And um, Luxembourg and other countries in the EU, they have also to some extent watered down legislation. So, um, you know, they, they, they can still benefit from it. So Luxembourg is due, was actually due a, a, a visit from the mm -hmm. financial crime watchdog, yep. right? But it, it, I mean, from what the article I read, it looks as if the virus might pay, put pay to yep. that for a while yet. So that'll be delayed. Yeah. 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 I mean, is that something that would, in, in effect, if it had gone ahead as planned, would be looking at this kind of thing? Or uh, what are they looking at when they come? To, to some extent, yes. So if it includes um, issues such as money laundering or terrorism financing, they would be looking at that as well. And the last time they, um, um, they published a report on Luxembourg after a visit, which was, I think, five years ago, I'm not sure anymore, um, uh, it was quite a damning report, actually, on, on how um, Luxembourg is failing to kind of live up to, to, to higher standards on, on that front. Mm -hmm. So that, that visit would be quite interesting because, again, it would result in, in, in a report that would analyze you know, the practices of Luxembourg's financial center and, and how uh, perhaps international... Uh, crime organizations or, or terrorists are using Luxembourg to, to hide their money, to launder money, or to finance their activities. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that would certainly be interesting. And now it's been delayed by the virus, but mm -hmm. um, it, will, it will happen at some point. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have one other kind of businessy story here, which is mm. um, the fact that post-Brexit, the UK is hoping to woo Luxembourg yeah. funds away to the UK. Are we seeing that as a threat or are we not bothered? Um, when I would I say we, I mean Luxembourg. Yes. Me, I'm not that bothered, but you know. <laughs> Fair enough. I think I think I would see it as, as a potential threat, um, especially in the context that there is a um, large battle going on between Luxembourg, uh, or rather between the European Union and the UK, as far as access to uh, financial markets is concerned. And um, now that the UK is breaking away from European legislation, they might um, adopt regulations that are in some ways more competitive, that are a bit leaner. And um, for instance, uh, by lowering taxes on funds and by having a, you know, a different regulatory framework in place, uh, they could easily become more attractive for, mm -hmm. um, for the international fund industry, which really doesn't know that many borders, um, which is already in Luxembourg because taxes are partly so low um, for these funds um, to, in, to, in, to invest through here. Um, so, yeah, I would see it as a potential threat, especially now that um, the relation between um, the UK and the EU isn't that great, especially um, when it comes to financial services. And um, there's an ongoing, yeah, on ongoing debates around that. And there's reports um, coming in day and out. Oh, Amsterdam managed to, you know, oust the UK as the um, European leader in, shades, in shares trading and all that stuff. And um, so the UK will, because the financial sector is really their, their crown jewel, they will try to... They have to, to reposition they themselves. Have to, they have to reposition yeah. themselves. Yeah. yeah, so there is mm. a threat there. Mm -hmm. Stuff will go. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, a couple of stories that are maybe not so business linked, mm -hmm. but affect the everyday lives of all of us, or could... 
Um, a couple of stories I picked up on. Cyclists pushing for change um, just not good enough. Uh, there's a federation of cyclists and mm. people pushing for change. And surprisingly, I think, the Greens have been in coalition with the government for this is our, our second run. So we're, mm. what, six, seven years into yeah. um, into this coalition. And cyclists are still not happy about the bike paths and the, the way the connections are made throughout, n- not even throughout Luxembourg, but throughout the city. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, do they have a point? Um, I, I think they, they do have a, have a point. Good, um, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think most people would actually agree with yeah. that. Um, I, I haven't dared cycling myself in Luxembourg City yet because um, I just really don't really see the appeal very much yeah. because it is, it is quite dangerous and uh, the paths aren't very good overall. They just um, don't connect. I mean, just, that's yeah. the bit that's yeah. bizarre. There's, that's like bizarre. S- there's, there's arteries into mm. the city. I mean, route mm. along we into, you know, right into the city that mm. would be such an easy one in a sense because it's a straight road into the city. There's no way as a cyclist that you can yeah. safely do that in the morning yeah. or in the evening. Yeah, I think another big issue is like the um, amount of construction sites in the city right. as well, and which is a very like disrupted landscape overall. Mm-hmm. And it's not, yeah, it's not very um, fluid. So, but is it likely? To, I guess they would argue that the tram, once it's finished, yeah. blah blah blah, is it likely to be better? I mean, is it a case of we need to wait four years and it'll be better, or are these these cyclists saying there's no plan there? Mm. I, I mean, I, I would hope so. That's what they they promised, and um, they have uh, announced, you know, s- some ambitious plans, not just in Luxembourg but a- a- across uh, across the country, right, um, to have better cycling paths. So. But I'm somewhat distrustful of that personally, so I might be biased there. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see, I guess, in, in 10, 15 years rather than four or five. Oh, really? You think yeah. it'll be that long? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, um, that's bad news. But anyway, we'll see. <laughs> Keep hassling. Um, Bonnevoie security has been discussed a couple of times in the, in the last weeks. Um, yeah. Because there, there. I mean, it's been, it's known that there, there is an element down here that's that's not that, uh, that's mm-hmm. not that great, um, and the city actually um, had a contract with a private security f- firm yep. to police the area, as yep. it were. Um, but the government were not part of that. That was actually the city that organised yep. that, and now the city's saying what that they need, they need support to. It, it's a bigger yep. issue than they can handle themselves. Yeah. Yeah, to some to some extent, they're saying that. So th- this pitted the uh, local government against um, the national government, because um, Henry Cox and um, the, you know, the security minister he thought that this is overstepping, you know, the authority of the city. They shouldn't be doing that. There is um, there's laws around, you know, hiring private security agents to um, make sure that um, you know crime doesn't happen, mm-hmm. all, all that stuff, uh, and. Um, yeah, it looks like um, the Lux- Luxembourg City is asking on Parliament to pass new legislation to extend police authority in that area. And also uh, they are pushing for more police recruits, which uh, Horry Cox has promised. Um, but apparently, according to the police union, this is not properly materialising. So there's, yeah, there's ongoing issues around that. And um, It's interesting, though, as well, if you look at the local government in the city, the city mm-hmm. mayor is DP. Yeah. I mean, she's the same party yeah. as Xavier Bettel. Yeah. So it's kind of unusual that they go head to head in something like this. Yeah. But she has. I mean, it's obviously a big enough issue that she's come out yeah. and said. Yeah, I think one of the main reasons for that is simply because residents were so concerned by the events, not just in the last few weeks. I mean, there was a fatal stabbing just two weeks yeah. ago. But over, over the last years, really, and it has really been building up that, um, you know, crime around the Gar uh, quarter and of, often including drugs and violence. 
um, and so she, I, I, I think she felt the need to to to, to do something to, right. uh, you know, still address, yeah, address, yeah, to, the to address the issues, issues and still have you know the v voters support. Right. Um, and it's interesting that, and of course, she's the mayor of Luxembourg City, which is the most important council in, in the country. So compared, you know, to others, she does have relative power uh -huh. and she can yeah, put more pressure on the so government. It, so are we likely to see a move there that the government will respond or? Well, they've already promised that they would recruit 200 more policemen that could be deployed within a year, within a year, policemen right. and women. Um, so we'll see if that, if that materializes. And in the meantime, this private security uh, mm. contract will continue. It will continue until March, and then it could be extended again. Right, until they, yeah. they bring something and, more in. But they're also doing, um, the council is also doing other things, such as installing um, video cameras in buses. And um, they have now um, organized a team of um, mediators and social workers that mm -hmm. can um, help the local communities sort out issues themselves yeah, before even security agents have to be involved. Yeah, right? because, I mean, it's obviously a social problem where yeah. people... You know, need help and need support yep. because you're just pushing. Otherwise, you're just pushing the the problems from one ear, area to another. Exactly. So I think there's it needs to be um, like a, a grassroots solution rather than top down solution. Yeah, um, I would I would agree with that as well. It yeah. seems it's concentrated in a certain area. There are certain socioeconomic factors that are obviously responsible for mm -hmm. it. So um, I think that that might be a better approach at times than um, in more authoritarian policing. Mm -hmm. But um, I guess the primary concern is ultimately the safety of, of local residents. Yeah, so and we'll I think see if, if they, that works out. Yeah, and the demand mm -hmm. would be on an everyday basis that yeah. they feel safe going yeah. in and out of the front door. Yeah. Um, okay, we're kind of running out of time, but I wanted to ask you mm -hmm. something. We were talking earlier on about the Rock Hall gigs that took place mm -hmm. um, the, the last couple of nights and that are going on, and we're quite excited about that happening. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, on the first evening, there was a demonstration outside mm -hmm. those uh, those gigs or that first gig. Um, people are protesting restrictions. Yeah, and increasingly so, and it's not just the cultural sector, but also, uh, uh, as you would expect, um, the Horeska Saka mm -hmm. restaurants, hotels, um, um, catering, gastronomy, that are losing a lot of business because of these restrictions. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you had 600 people protesting in Lux City last weekend, which is quite a lot for Luxembourg yeah. standards. Yeah. And um, so there is there is obviously a pandemic fatigue building up, mm -hmm. but um, equally people are making losses and uh, they want to want to recover that. So, you know, the pressure is increasing on the government to do something about these restrictions or at least help businesses more. So well, I think also independence. I mean, the, yeah. the, they've brought yeah. out a, a proposal for um, independents who've basically been falling through the cracks and mm -hmm. business sm small business owners i think we were talking like yeah. hairdressers and people like that you know you can put your employees onto short time but you as the business owner get nothing and i yeah. think uh i can't remember who what was it Dan, uh, came out and said mm -hmm. um you know if you've benefited all these years you should be expected to you yeah. know reach into your pocket now but we're talking small business owners who pay rent and pay mm -hmm. their employees and have not been i mean we're not talking I don't know, Giorgetti or whatever other building mm. firms are available, yeah. um, or, uh, you know, ArcelorMittal. There's lots of small, middle-sized companies who've yeah. really suffered. So they're obviously recognising that, but I think the the hospitality industry is really, really suffering. So mm -hmm. um, are they the ones that have been on the street more? Is that the demonstrations from that sector more? I think so, yes, right. because I think they're the most immediately affected by uh, most restrictions. Even when they were loosened, restaurants were still closed, or they were only allowed to take in a limited amount of people. 
and a lot of had to switch their business models um, almost completely to like to delivery um, and some have managed to do that quite well mm -hmm. and but but others not not so much and mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um, so I think they are the most immediately impacted by uh, a lot of the restrictions that are coming in so yeah you would expect them to protest the most as well yeah well mm -hmm. let's see what happens mm -hmm. because I mean it looks as if the, the government's trying to respond in some way but we'll see if the, mm -hmm. uh, it's enough um, I think we're out of time Yannick sure. thank you so so much for, yeah. for coming Thanks in so this morning and uh, see you again next week see you next week thank you